Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg. Page 987, in the middle of the 12th chapter, it's the final chapter of the second portion of the Tanya, which is the gateway of unity and faith. And the unity and faith of a Jew is that there's only one reality. There's no other reality but Hashem. Hashem creates us, and Hashem remains unaffected by creation, unchanged. Just like Hashem was alone before He created the world, so too He remains alone after He created the world. The world does not affect Him or change Him. Unlike a human being, when a human being, when we teach or we give of ourselves, we, it engages us, it changes us, it affects us. Hashem remains totally unaffected. He remains alone. And really, there is no other reality but Hashem. And the, all of creation is merely Hashem is creating uh, something from nothing, but it's something that is totally... It doesn't, it doesn't affect the essence of Hashem. The essence of Hashem remains something that's beyond, totally transcendent, totally beyond, not only beyond the physical, the material, but even beyond the spiritual. And he began how the Hashem creates the world through the Hebrew language. The Hebrew language is a holy language because it's the language with which God creates the world. It's different than all other languages. First comes the word, and then comes the object. All other languages, first comes the object, and then comes the word. Hashem says there should be light, and then there was light. Because the words actually create, the Hebrew words, these are the channels through which Hashem creates, it channels the divine energy with which Hashem creates everything that exists, and everything in this world has a Hebrew name. The name of an object is actually gives it, sustains it, creates it, animates it, and the entire life and personality and character and characteristic traits of this object is all in the name and all in the Hebrew letters. Because every letter, that's where we left off last week, every letter has a shape, its own form, its own shape, because every letter connotes a different type of energy, a different type of divine energy. And when you combine the different letters together, you get a new word. Depending on the different combinations, how you rearrange the letters, you get a new word with a new meaning with a new content, a new entity, a different entity. And this is what separates. This is why we have such a pluralistic world. If the entire world all comes from God, from one God, how is it that we have such a pluralistic world with so many diverse entities? Hashem is one. How do we get such a diversity in the world? And the explanation is because Hashem creates the world through the Hebrew language, through the Hebrew words, the Hebrew letters. Every letter is different. And although you only have 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, but firstly, the amount of combinations that you have in 22 letters is numerically off the charts. But then you also have many types of um, languages, many ways of decoding, rearranging the language. First, you have the numerical value of the letter. You have substitute languages, how every letter has a substitute letter. It's like a code. So there are many, many Hebrew languages that are code. So if you add up all these different languages and you translate the original Hebrew into the numerical value and into the substitute um, codes and languages, and you arrange those letters, you end up with 
almost infinite. What's an example of a substitute letter? Aleph and Tuf, the first and the last letter. They change. They're interchangeable. It's like a code. I think during World War II, this was one of the, the two Jewish soldiers, and this is how they, this was the code they created, based on these Hebrew codes that no, no one is familiar with. Substitute, substitute alphabet, and there are many. This is one of the most famous ones, where the first letter substitutes for the last letter, the second letter for the next to the last. I did a little, re- little research. I found the formula. I, I did the, the math just for the... Right, the for the strength, 22. Just right. for the 22. What's the number? It was about, it was about 10 places past a billion. Okay. Wow. So that's what the zillion, that's beyond zillion, that's yeah. off the charts. So that's just 22 letters. Two letters, you make two words. Olive bays, only two words. Av or ba, father and came. Those are the only two combinations. If you add a third letter, you have three times two. So now you can make six. If you add four letters, so it's four times six. That's so 24. You add five letters, is 5 times 24. It's 120. With every letter you add, 6 letters is 6 times 120. By the time you get to 22, he said it's 10 zeros beyond a billion. Those are only just straight, just, just the 22 letters. But then if you take the numerical values and you, add, and you the substitute uh, alphabet, it's almost infinite. And then also the way you pronounce a letter, like Aleph is Aleph, Lamet, Fei. The way you pronounce it, the hidden part, not the written part. This was written Aleph, but Aleph, the way it's pronounced, is Aleph, Lamed, uh, Fe, or Hey. Hey sounds like Hey, Hey. You only, you only write the Hey, but the way you pronounce it is Hey, Hey. It includes the Hey, Hey. So, you know, the Kabbalists really get, get into this because the Torah is written in code and there's so many layers of meaning and hidden meaning as we discussed the name of Lokim, the example we gave last week. So, he's saying Hashem created the entire universe with the ten utterances found in the beginning of the book of Genesis. Ten sentences. God said there should be light, and there was light. God said there should be heaven. But if you take these words, from these words, you can derive the entire universe. Every object that exists in the universe, from the highest spheres down to the amoeba, which every one of them has a, has a Hebrew name. You can, you all, they all derive from these ten utterances, because God creates the world with these ten utterances. God continuously creates the world. God is constantly speaking. God has to bring this world into existence. By constantly speaking and bringing this world into existence, that's the only reason this world exists and is here. So every single moment, God has to constantly create the world. Because there's no other reality but God. God is the only reality. And there's nothing but God. So in order for creation to exist, God has to constantly create. It's an ongoing, dynamic, Every moment, the act of creation is ongoing. So it's, it's a... The world is being recreated each and every moment. So the world, contrary to appearance, is very dynamic. It's very vibrant. The world appears to be inert, dead, lifeless, fragmented. But the truth is, the world is vibrant, the world is dynamic. The world is being recreated each and every moment. And the world is not what it appears to be. If we were to see the truth, we, were, we would see the, the process of creation. We would see that the table, the chair, you and I, the food, everything that exists 
is really the divine energy that's, that's being transformed into a table, a chair, into the entire world. But everything is really the divine energy. The modern physicist appreciates it because the modern physicist knows that the table, what's the table? Ultimately, what's the table? Atoms. What's an atom? An atom is 99.9% empty. It's an atom. You can't even find anything in the atom. It just swirls. Whatever is there swirls so fast it creates a sense of solidity. It creates a sense of the external world that we operate in. But the truth is matter is energy and that what we see is not really is not really is not really what we get there's, 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 there's much more going on but it's beyond the naked eye we don't see it we don't perceive it the modern physicist is aware of it through study through science but it's not something that's evident to the naked eye what's evident to the naked eye is this world that we live in and everything is solid and everything is rigid and everything is fragmented but on the atomic level everything is connected you know, this external separation is just, is just from a very, from our materialistic perspective. Why is it said that the world would cease to exist then if God didn't have his hand on the world? Why, why is that? It's not only God has his hands in the world. The very essence of everything that exists is nothing other than Hashem's energy. It's Hashem's speech. It's Hashem's speech. The Hebrew word is Hashem's speech. It's divine energy that's channeled through the Hebrew words that differentiates this infinite light and differentiates it and brings it down in a very defined letter and together makes up a word through different combinations. If the, so everything is really nothing other than the divine speech, God's speech. So it's really godliness. It has no other existence. It has no other content. Our very content, the very things that differentiates us and our very being and existence all come from God. Because the energy that creates us is the infinite, is Hashem. Only Hashem has the power to create. And it's divine energy. Even the details, the content, the personality, the character, the characteristic traits, the, the properties of every entity, from an angel, from the highest levels of consciousness, down, down to the, the grain of sand, to the amoeba. Everything comes from Hashem. Because where does that differentiation come from? That differentiation comes from Hashem's letters. It's God's speech. And through speech, God like, differentiates and breaks down this, 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 this infinite energy and it brings it down and channels it to a level that we can, we can, we can uh, absorb. Because without the letters, without the words, you would just have, just like uh, um, letters describe an emotion, let's say. You don't love in French and you don't love in English. Love transcends language. No word, there's no words in the world that can adequately describe a genuine experience, a genuine emotion. Words cannot contain a genuine... So there are no words. There's no language. There's, there's no differentiation. But we have the ability to communicate and to capture or to describe or to convey a feeling to others. I can communicate to others how I'm feeling or what I'm thinking what I understand, what I get, what I comprehend. So words, when I break it down into words, the words are very differentiated. You know, an experience that's really beyond words, or maybe an experience that I can't describe in words, but when, when you break it down into words, 
it, it comes down into many, many details and many, many specifics. And within words itself, you have different levels. Like when you think, what takes you a moment to think, maybe take you five minutes to explain verbally. Because you think in a moment. You also think in words. But the words are very, they're very condensed. It's not so much the words, it's more the content. But when you communicate, every word matters and you have to bring it down into words. If you won't, if you'll skip certain sentences, the person won't know what you're talking about. You have to, you have to explain it in sequence until the person hears you and the person absorbs what you're saying and, he, and he's able to understand your message, what you're trying to say. So the more, the further you get, the more differentiated it becomes. Every letter becomes defined, every word is defined, every sentence, every paragraph. And every sentence, every paragraph contains a certain aspect of the content that you're trying to describe, the emotion, the experience, the, the concept. So too, when you speak, this is an analogy to Hashem. We create in the image of Hashem, so it's a poor analogy, but it's an analogy to Hashem. We talk <coughs> of Hashem's emotion. And the first day, Hashem creates the world with His emotion of kindness, of love. Now, that's a single emotion. It's a divine emotion, divine attribute of love, of kindness. But when you start conveying that emotion through words, there are many, many different words and different sentences and different paragraphs that contain certain aspects of Hashem's emotional attribute of love. There's a word that describes and creates water, mayin, which is a reflection of Hashem's kindness. Water has the nature of kindness. It flows, it finds the lowest place. It's nourishing, it's nurturing, it connects. Water is gentle. Or, or light, which is also an aspect of chesed, of love, of kindness. Undifferentiated. Light will shine equally in a palace and will shine equally in a garbage dump. Light doesn't differentiate. Just like love, love is giving. It gives to everyone, indiscriminatory. It just gives. With abundance, you deserve, you don't deserve. So it all comes from the same, it all expresses the same emotional attribute, but it's a different aspect of that emotional attribute. Because it's contained in the letter, or and mayim. The letters differentiate this, this, this light, this, so to speak, infinite light, and it brings it down into details. It channels this energy into a very defined, Define letter or word. It's like taking the ocean and bringing the ocean into your home. So you, have to, so you design a pipe, and you have a pipe that fits in for a little sink, you have a pipe that fits in for, 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 for a bath, and you have a pipe that fits in a pool. You have different pipes, all drawing from a source, but in order to limit it and to define it, that it should be able to come down in a way that you can handle it. If you'll have a pipe that's fit for a swimming pool in, in your, in your uh, sink, in your kitchen sink, it'll, it'll overwhelm the, you know, it'll submerge the house in water. Everything has to be very defined and very limited. And that's the purpose of the letters. The letters and the words and the sentences define and bring out one aspect of, of, the, of the original emotional attribute of love. And he explains that with every substitution, let's say we, sub, we use a substitute Hebrew alphabet, or we use a numerical value, that means we're going further and further from the source. It's becoming more and more differentiated. It's becoming more and more limited. 
the ten sentences, the actual words that Hashem uses in the Torah, with these words and letters, Hashem creates the big stuff. The sun, the moon, the heaven. The... But we said that with these ten utterances, God creates everything that exists. But we don't find the Hebrew name, we don't find Evan, the word for stone, in the ten utterances in the beginning of the book of Genesis. So where did the stone come from? Because what we said... If you use all these substitute Hebrew alphabets and use numerical value, you'll find ultimately the name and the arrangements of every single entity that exists in the entire universe. Because you have almost infinite combinations, possibilities. So obviously, when you have a letter that God speaks explicitly, there should be light, there should be water, there should be, there should be a heaven. So there, the energy is much larger. But when you start with the substitute alphabets and the numerical values, obviously you're getting further and further away. Like the French hearing, it's like a difference between thought and speech. You know, it takes a moment to think, it will take you five minutes, and you have to use so many words to contain a simple concept. Like the Mishnah. The Mishnah is very brief. In one paragraph, and then you have 15 pages of Talmud explaining the Mishnah. So the teachers of the Mishnah didn't need these 15 pages. They said one word and they got the whole picture. Like you speak to a brilliant person, you speak to a brilliant person, you tell him three sentences, he gets the whole picture. You don't, you don't have to spend three hours explaining it to him. A person who's not on that level and much simpler, you need hours and hours with many explanations and many words and many examples and illustrations to bring out the same point. So the further you get, and the, the numerical value, the further away you get from the original, that means that the words and letters are much more differentiated and much more limiting. and So the, as the energy gets channeled into every single entity, even down to the stone, even down to the amoeba, so we get further and further away from the source and you don't see the direct connection to its source, to the speaker, to Hashem. And therefore it becomes a much more rigid entity. It becomes a much more physical, materialistic entity. You look at a stone, there's no life at all. You don't see any life. Of course the, soul, the stone is alive. It exists. It has a soul. It has an energy. All it is is energy. But you don't see that. You look at the stone, you see something rigid. You see something solid. You don't see any, any life. But really, everything has a life in the soul. Because it's through the letters. The letters has channeled the energy into a very, a very narrow entity. But nevertheless, these are Hashem's letters. Hashem's speaking. is speaking. It's His words. It's His letters. His energy. So everything that exists, not only is its very existence only a godly act, only God has the power to create, but its very content, its very name, its very meaning, its, its purpose, its meaning, but also its content is defined by the Hebrew letters and its Hebrew name, by the shape of the letter, and by which symbolizes a certain channeling of energy in a certain way, and by the different combinations of the letters, which each combination brings a different result, and therefore that creates an entity that's differentiated from all other entities, with its unique characteristics and its, its, its unique personality traits, like every animal has its nature and its characteristics, because it all comes from the different letters. But it's Hashem's letters. So the very content of every being, of everything that exists, is nothing other than Hashem. It's very existence it gets from Hashem. We all get from Hashem. Hashem is constantly creating us. And our very content, our very personality and character, what differentiates us, what defines us, 
also comes from Hashem's letters. Hashem's way of channeling each distinct uh, entity. Channeling His energy into each distinct entity. It should have its own name. Its own divine name. Its own Hebrew name. So everything is Hashem. So there's nothing other than God. There's no other reality. There's nothing other. And therefore, this is the foundation of a Jew's life. The Torah tells us that what's the purpose of our creation? The purpose of our creation is to do the will of Hashem. Because Hashem creates us. And He creates the whole world around us. And there's no other reality but Hashem. So our whole being, our whole essence is nothing other than the divine. The divine energy, the divine, the, the divine letters, divine words, God's divine emotions, the divine emotional attributes, and God's infinite light that creates the world through the divine emotions that emanates from himself and through his speech that emanates from him. So there's no other reality but God. So what is the whole purpose of our life, of our being, of our existence? There's no other purpose than to do the will of Hashem. That is the core of our being. There's nothing else. So this is not religion. This is what differentiates Judaism from religion. Religion means that I am. I am an ego. I am. But I bend my will to God. Because God is almighty. God is all-powerful. God is sitting in heaven. And if I want what I want, if I want to have life and health and success, don't mess with the big boss. And you'll do what he asks of you. And you'll get what you need and what you want. That's a very, that's religion. That's not the Jewish understanding of reality. The Jewish understanding of reality is, I don't have any agendas. I don't have, there is no ego, there is no I. There is no I, period. What is my I? My whole being, my whole I is nothing other than Hashem. Hashem is creating me this very moment. I am nothing other than the result, this moment of the divine energy, the creative act that's creating me. The divine energy is transforming itself this very moment into a table, a book, you and I. So what are we? Our very substance is divine, is godly. Our very being is nothing other than the divine energy. There's nothing else. There's nothing other than Hashem. So therefore, it's not like I am worshipping God, I am bending my will to God, or I am worshipping something otherworldly, or my whole essence, my whole core very fiber of my being is nothing other than godliness. I am nothing other than the, the Hebrew letters that are creating me and the divine energy that's creating me this, and Hashem is creating me this very moment through His emotional attributes, through His speech, through His letters. So I am nothing other than God. So therefore it only makes sense that my whole life is dedicated and devoted to one theme. There is nothing else. What is my whole life? To do the will of Hashem. To do the will of Hashem is to be real. To be in touch with my reality. Not some otherworldly reality, some heavenly being. My reality, my core, my essence, being true to myself, my genuine nature, my true nature. For me to do a sin, to do something wrong, it's almost like I'm, I'm going against my core, my essence, I'm going against my nature. So no matter what a person thinks or says, that the mass claims that that this is my nature. My nature is to do, to, to, do, to do something wrong. The Torah says it's impossible. On the contrary, that's the Yetzirah, that's the illusion. Your genuine nature, your core nature, your, every fiber of your being, every bone in your body is nothing other than godliness. So when you think you want to do something that goes against the will of Hashem, 
It goes against the Torah, it goes against the will of Hashem. You're going against your own will. It's suicidal. You're totally delusional. That can't be you. It's impossible. That's not you. That's a total illusion. It can't be you. Because you cannot go against your... It's like, it's like fighting against your essence. How can you fight against your essence? The very core of your being, your very existence, the very shape and form, everything about you is nothing other than Hashem. It's Hashem's creative energy. It's Hashem's infinite light that is creating you through His emotional attributes that Hashem emanated from Himself. And then Hashem speaks and conveys and communicates and differentiates the, this infinite light into words and letters that are able to bring it down this energy into a level a level that we can absorb and we can receive and we can take so our very being is nothing other than Hashem our content, our being, everything about us our personality, individuality creativity, everything about us is nothing other than Hashem every detail, not just the general, that in general God creates us and in general, without God constantly creating us, we would cease to exist. So we owe our very being and existence to Hashem. It's not just in general. The whole point of this chapter is it's not just in general, it's specific. The details. Every detail comes from Hashem. Because every detail comes from the different letters, and the different shape of the letters, and the different combinations of the letters. And these letters are Hashem's speech, Hashem's utterance, which Hashem is speaking this very moment, and continuously and constantly speaking. So our very being, our very personality, individuality, every detail, every aspect of our life, every part of our being is directly, is Hashem. Hashem's speech, Hashem's emotional attribute, Hashem, Hashem's infinite energy, Hashem himself, Hashem's creative ability, there's nothing else. The result of, of Hashem's will is high, just life, just... Not just life in general, he's saying even the details. That we're all alive, of course that comes from Hashem. He's saying even more so, not just that we're all alive comes from Hashem. The very specifics, the very details, every aspect of life, every aspect of existence, every aspect of creation, all the things that differentiate us, just like within a human being. With a human being, take the human organism. The human organism, from my flesh I know God. Job says, from my flesh I know God. So within the human organism, we have a general life. The soul gives life to the body. Every part of the body has the same life. The foot is alive and the brain is alive. It's life. Is it, God forbid, a corpse. Or you can tell that someone is alive. So every part of the body is equally alive. There's no difference. There's no difference in the, the toe and the brain. They're equally alive. Then you get into specifics, into details. The brain has a specific energy to think, to comprehend, to understand, to be creative, ingenuity. To concentrate, to focus. That's a specific energy that's only found in the brain. Not in the stomach, not in the heart. That's the brain. The three parts of the brain. Three minds. Then you have a specific energy in the heart. To love. Emotions. To be attracted to. To be repulsed by. To have compassion. Then you have specific attributes that are found in other places of the body. The competitive spirit. The enduring spirit. Or to connect, to be intimate. And then you have the ability, specific ability to think, to speak, to act. So every organ in the body has a unique, and in addition to the general overall sense of life, that we're alive, the flesh is alive, 
We don't know where the soul ends and the body begins. The soul and body mesh and merge and become like one and inseparable. And every part of the body, every, every ounce of the body, every, every cell in the body is alive. There's no difference. The blood circulates throughout the whole body equally. The same blood goes from the head all the way down to the toenail. It circulates, runs through the whole body equally. In addition, there is a very specific energy to each specific organ. So what he's saying here is, it's not only that God gives us life in general. Life is a divine miracle. All the scientists in the world can't create the life of a fly. Life comes from within. Life is not an external event. It's not a mechanical event. You can't build, it's not like building blocks. You put together a body and you have life. You can put together all the bodies in the world and, you, and it does not equal life. Life comes from within. And once there's life, then the body grows and the body is nourished. So it's, life comes from within. Life is a divine act. So yes, life is divine. That's a general overall that everything in the world is alive. But here he's saying something much more profound than that. He's saying that every detail of existence, what differentiates one object from the other, light from water, a stone from another object, an amoeba from something else, each type of animal from a different type of animal, all the distinctions and all the unique characteristics of every single object, they also come from Hashem. Because what, what is the source of these distinctions? The different letters, the different Hebrew letters, the different Hebrew names, different combinations of the letters that create this Hebrew name. And, and because of the shape of each letter and because of the different combinations of each letter, that's why we end up with different results, with different entities. Because of the power of these letters is, and these words and these sentences and these paragraphs, it takes this undifferentiated light and it brings it down into vessels. It brings it down and breaks it up and differentiates it. And therefore, it takes this energy and creates all different limited, limited beings and all different beings. And that's why we have the pluralistic, um, multi, <laughs> multiple uh, type, type of beings and entities. Let's learn inside. Page 987, second paragraph. Inasmuch. Inasmuch as every single one of the 22 letters of the Torah is a flow an individual particular life force and power which does not flow through any other letter. Therefore, the written shape of each letter is likewise specific and distinctive, which indicates the pattern of the flow and the manifestation of the light and life force and power which is revealed and flows through the letter, through this letter. Right, so he doesn't mean that physically the letter is the building block of creation. It means the letter is a symbol. It's like a map. The map is not the place. You want to fly to Europe, you're not going to take out a map and you go to Europe. It's just a symbol. The map is a symbol, an accurate symbol of, based on topography and all the details of the map, is a symbol for this country, for this area. The Hebrew letters are a symbol. It's not that the physical letter, the Hebrew letter, God is creating it with that, the Hebrew letter. But the Hebrew letter is a symbol, an accurate map, an accurate symbol of the different type of divine channeling of the divine energy. The shape of the letter shows on a unique type of channeling of an energy. Above goes down. Every letter, and the more you study about it in Kabbalah, every letter, the shape, has, the shape itself has meaning. It shows in a different type of energy, a different type of... So that's, that's the way it's written, the way it's written, the way we actually write the letter. And that's why the letter has to be very precise in the Torah. Every letter has to be accurate. If one letter is not written accurate, it's not kosher. It's not a kosher Torah. Because the letter has to be like an accurate map, an accurate symbol of what's really going on, of what's really happening in the infinite, in Hashem's infinite, uh, Hashem's infinite light, what's really happening, because each letter is a symbol of how the, the energy is channeled. Continue. 
Example, how it flows and is revealed from the attributes of the Holy One, blessed be He, and His will and His wisdom, and so on. Like we said earlier, that there are many, everything that was created on the first day comes from the divine attribute of love, of kindness, from the world of emanation. But it's one attribute, but there are many things that were created as a result of this attribute. Things that are mentioned in the Torah, starting with the things that are mentioned specifically in the Torah, water, light, but there are many things. Sweet foods, any sweet foods, sweetness, sugar, they all come, they're in a reflection of sweetness, anything that's sweet. The second day, that's the emotional attribute of strength, of intensity, of limiting, of the definitions. And that also gives birth to many, many entities. Fire, opposite of water, and also sour, sour things, things that are sharp, sour. Just like we have alkaline and we have acidic, not Hasidic, acidic and alkaline. You have things that are sweet and you have things that are, that are sharp, which all, they're all a reflection of the emotional, ultimately, the ultimately, I think you go back to the ultimate source, it all comes from Hashem's divine attributes of love and the opposite of love, strength, intensity, sharp. And um, so how is it that you get from one source, you get such a diversity, on all levels, on all realms, from the world and the angels. You have the angel Michal, who represents love, who's a loving angel, who represents the love of Hashem and his entire camp, because within love itself, there are a million types of love. Every love has its own angel. There's such a kaleidoscope of love. People just use the word love, but what, love, how I love today, I love, yes, every love is its own world. It's a world that's embodied by another angel. Then you have the opposite of love, strength, fierce, intensity, awe, the exact opposite emotion of love. Again, that's, a, that's the angel of Gavriel, Gavura, strength, Gabriel, and his entire camp, which there are infinite, infinite types of awes and fears. And, and, so, and then you have Rafal, which symbolizes <coughs> compassion. So that's in the spiritual realm. But then it keeps on coming down, all the way down to the physical world. We have sharp things, and you have sweet things, and you have sweetness, and there's light, and then there's the opposite, there's sharp and sour and, and then you have combinations which is mercy, compassion, etc. So where do you get this differentiation if we all, they all come from one source? That's through the letters. Through God's letters. God's words. Because it's channeling. The letters are channeling, conveying and communicating and channeling this energy. Just like when a person speaks, you're conveying an emotion. Through the words, through the letters, you're conveying a certain aspect, aspect of your emotion. And it may take many, many, many different letters and words to describe different aspects of the emotion, different components. So too, from Hashem's emotional attribute, which is one with God, who is infinite, you also have an infinite range of, of different types of emotions where each letter, each word brings out and captures and channels a different aspect of, of this emotional attribute. That creates all the different entities. God doesn't speak physically. There's no mouth and there's no speech. It's, it's, it's the concept. The concept of a letter, of a word, is communication. When you want to communicate something outside of yourself, for yourself you don't have to speak. There's no need to speak. You want to communicate to something outside of yourself. When you want to convey, um, transport an emotion from within to express it outwardly, 
you need words, you need letters. You need thought and then speech and then action. So too, Hashem has his emotional attributes, so to speak. But then when Hashem wants to actually communicate and create something outside of himself, create a world that's outside of himself, and convey those emotions, and transport those emotions into the, into the world of creation, that's, that's the idea that God creates. And just like letters and words channel the energy and differentiate the energy and bring it down into many, many, many vessels, and one concept could have many, many letters and words, um, so too you have the many letters and words that, that create all the many pluralistic entities that exist. And just like the letters and the words ultimately don't affect the source, because the source doesn't need letters and words. The raw emotion, the raw experience, there are no words in the world that can adequately describe a genuine emotion, That's a genuine experience. So the words not only don't exhaust the emotion, the words don't even scratch the surface of the experience. The experience doesn't need any words, and all the words in the world don't add anything to the experience. So to all of creation, which comes about through God's speech, creation doesn't add anything to Hashem. When it says Hashem creates the world through His speech, the Torah is also telling us that Hashem is not affected by creation. Because it doesn't, it doesn't add anything to Hashem. It's not like creation adds something to God. Before there was God, and God was alone, now there's God, and there's a table, and there's a chair, and there's you, and there's I, and there's angels, and there's a whole bureaucracy. There's a whole universe, a physical universe, a spiritual universe. So how can you say, how can, how can you say that God is one, that there's only one reality, and God hasn't changed, and there's nothing but God? Before God was alone, now there's God, and there's I, and there's you, and there's the whole world, and there's angels, and there's a whole universe. So that's the analogy of human letters, of words. Just like words. Words don't add anything to the person. It doesn't add anything to the raw experience. It doesn't matter if you do speak or you don't speak. It doesn't add anything. The raw experience transcends words. Especially the essence of the person transcends words. So too, when Hashem creates the world, the world doesn't affect him. He's unchanged. And it doesn't, it doesn't add anything to Hashem. So it makes no difference, really, if there are words, there are no words, did exist, didn't exist. It did speak, didn't speak. It's not like it's, it's, it, it doesn't affect Hashem at all. Not that Hashem doesn't speak or the world is an illusion, as the Eastern mystics say. It's a Maya. It's not a Maya. The world is not an illusion. The Torah says that God spoke and He brought us into existence and the world is very real. But it doesn't add anything. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't add anything. And so Hashem remains alone, just like He was alone before He created the world. It's not like He added anything, because what is the world? The world is His speech. And this speech was within Hashem before. And what is this speech? This speech just expresses Hashem's emotional attribute of love. So love, Hashem's love, takes many shapes and forms. From water, to light, to something sweet, to sugar. So the content, even the content, the personality, the individuality, the characteristic traits, ultimately all come from Hashem. So, so the world doesn't add anything to Hashem. What, what, it all, everything was within Hashem. Everything is there. The words, the letters, the ability to create. It's not like anything happened, or there's anything new, or there's anything really... So to Hashem, nothing changes. Not that the world is really a lie or an illusion. The world is not a lie, God forbid. The whole foundation of Judaism is that God really creates the world, and it's real. It's a very real event. In Rosh Hashanah, we celebrate the creation of the world. It's not an illusion, God forbid. If a Jew does Torah mitzvah, it's genuine. If, God forbid, we transgress Torah mitzvah, it's also very genuine. 
but it means that it, has, it doesn't add anything to Hashem. Because the entire world is nothing other than, than Hashem. How would you describe our relationship to Hashem? Well, that depends on us. Um, we have the ability to choose. We are the only ones that have the ability to choose to have a relationship. Willingly, right. consciously, deliberately choose to have a relationship with Hashem. And if we do have a relationship with Hashem, it's our personal choice. We are the only creatures in the universe that have that choice. The rest of the world doesn't have that choice. Animals don't have that choice. Angels don't have that choice. They have no choice. We have a choice. So every time we do something right, or we do something good, or moral, or ethical, or spiritual, or godly, it's by personal choice. It's not mechanical. It's not like we're... It's a personal choice because we could have easily done otherwise. Everything that we do really is deliberate. So we are the only ones who have the ability to personally choose Hashem. And therefore, what it boils down to, after everything is said and done, all that exists really, is really Hashem and you. Because it's personal. We're the only ones in the universe that's really personal. Everything else is ultimately totally dependent on Hashem, is totally, is just a, a light of Hashem, a reflection. Uh, it has no independence, has no choice. We have to tap, touch a very deep place inside of us. It, that's not mechanistic and it's not conforming and it's not... We ultimately have to touch a very personal place. The divine spark within us. We have to make a personal choice to willingly, deliberately choose to serve Hashem. That's personal. We're not doing it for anyone. We're not doing it for anything external. So the person is the only one who really has... That's, the, that's what we call the conscience. That conscience within us, that's the divine spark within us. When a person listens to his conscience, when a person exercises his conscience, and he makes that personal choice, it's like your essence is touching the essence of Hashem. And that means so much to Hashem. That means everything to Hashem. That's the whole purpose of creation. That's the whole purpose of the whole universe, including the angels. Hashem doesn't need the angels. That we are the only ones who have a conscience. We are the only ones who have freedom of choice. The whole purpose of the entire universe, including the angels and the higher levels of consciousness and the spiritual realms, and all religions have it all wrong. All the Eastern mystics have it all wrong. They think that that's the ultimate goal, is nirvana and heaven and spirituality. and They have it all wrong. That, all of that is only for us. Because only in this world, when we're living in a world where there's darkness and there's concealment, and godliness is concealed. And the stone is unmovable. And many of us are like stones, hearts of stones. Unmovable and unbudgeable. And yet, we deliberately choose to move, change. Deliberately choose to do something right. It's a very personal choice. It's deeply personal. And that, that's our consciousness. And that touches, that's where our essence touches the essence of Hashem. So we are the only ones in the universe that have the ability to touch the essence of God. Because we're the only ones in the universe who can touch our own essence. The only way we can touch our own essence is through freedom of choice. Do you think that faith is a gift or something you have to work on? I mean... oh, no, faith, you can't work on faith. Faith is a gift. You can gift. work on revealing it. But faith, we are called, the Jewish people are called the believers, the children of believers... And uh, uh, it's inherent. We inherit it. That's what makes us Jewish. 
We inherit that faith. We have a Jewish soul. What makes us Jewish is we have a Jewish soul. We inherit that from the Yiddish Mama, and, and we have that faith. And if you're not born with it, you can be Buddha, Mother Teresa herself. You simply don't have it. And if you're a Jew, you're born with it. You have that divine essence. You have that faith. You're born with it. It's, it's, it's in your kishkes. You have it with every fiber of your being and every bone in your body. That's what makes you Jewish. The non-Jew knows it. You have it. You, you have that Jewish soul. You're not like everyone else. You have that Jewish neshama. You have that Jewish faith. It's a gift from Hashem. It's not something that a human being could acquire. Angels don't have it. Not something that any human being, any entity could acquire. That's why we're called the chosen people. We're not called the choosing people. It's not that we, cho- we chose God. God chose us. God gave us that faith. It's not a human accomplishment. It's something only Hashem can give us, that gift. That's why Matan Torah is called revelation. Eastern mysticism is something you can, you can learn, you can acquire, you can accomplish. Revelation is something that comes directly from Hashem. No human being, why no angel it, could acquire. Why is there such a thing as being agnostic? Well, you can delude yourself. People can sin, we can sin also. Sinning is delusion. It's a, it's a moment of insanity. We have that choice. You can choose to be suicidal also. People naturally want to live. But you have that choice. If you're crazy enough, you can choose anything. You have that choice. You have freedom of choice. You can act like an animal. You can act like an angel. You can, you can do the right thing or you can rebel against your essence. You can live a life that's in tune with your essence. A wholesome life. A healthy life. A good life. An eternal life. Or you can rebel against your essence and live a junk life, just like the a junk lifestyle. You have junk food. People can choose to eat junk food. Most Americans do. Most people do. You can choose to live a junk lifestyle. It's your choice. Or you can li- you choose to live a, a healthy lifestyle. But, but uh, we have that ability. When you make a right choice, every good thing that we do in this world comes from a very deep place, a very personal place. But not, it's not just mechanical or external because we could have, could have easily chosen the, the other way. It's easier to do the other way. It's so much easier. The path of least resistance is always the easiest path. When we overcome and we push ourselves, and we overcome our habits, and we stretch, and we choose to do a right thing. It's a deeply personal choice, and we touch the essence of Hashem. And that's only in this world. And that's the whole purpose of creation. We are the center of the universe. We are the purpose of creation. Hashem Himself is looking, standing with every one of us, individually, and waiting, and hoping, and looking out, because He also depends on us. He's waiting for us, to coronate him and to willingly accept him as our sovereign, as our king. Because without our willing acceptance, he is no king. So every one of us is obligated to say that the entire universe is totally dependent on me. What an awesome responsibility and what an awesome privilege that my good deed, my tiny good deed, my baby step forward, my positive thought, my positive speech, I could have said something nasty, negative, I, and instead I choose to say something positive. I could have frowned, and instead I choose to smile. I could have had a negative thought, a cynical thought, and instead I choose to be optimistic and to be positive. I could have done nothing or done something negative, and instead I choose to give a penny to tzedakah. I choose to do something positive. And the entire universe is changed through my act. Changed at its very core, its very essence. Hashem Himself is moved and touched and affected through our choice.
all Hashem asks of us to, to live, realize that. That we're not just a speck of dust floating around in the universe, as the atheists would like us to believe, as, as many pseudoscientists would like us to believe. We're not just a meaningless, irrelevant, insignificant, and who cares how you live, just whatever makes you happy, who, what, what does it matter anyway, who knows the difference, there's six billion people, who even knows your number, you're just a social security number, and if you take all the people that ever lived and all the people that ever will live, you're insignificant, nothing, in a hundred years from now, who's going to remember Bill Gates, who cares, it's irrelevant, and in the whole universe... What the difference does it make? There are billions, trillions, zillions, gazillion stars and galaxies. We're, we're nothing. That's nonsense. We are, each and every one of us, is the center of the entire universe. The entire universe rests on us, depends on us. Every word that we do, every action, every thought, affects not just all the physical universes, it affects all the spiritual universes, all the infinite amount of angels. It affects Hashem Himself. Because we are the only ones who have that essence. We have that consciousness. And when you have that choice, you have to exercise that consciousness. When you're living in a world as we live in, a world where there's light and there's darkness, where there's light and there's shadow, with there's sweetness and there's bitterness, where there's life and where there's, there's death, where there's goodness and there's evil, where there's joy and where there's pain, you have to make a choice. You can't just coast along. You can't just hide Every one of us, we have no choice. We have to make a choice. And uh, when you do make a choice, it's very deeply personal. It's profound. It's genuine. It's authentic. And it comes from our very core in our essence. We're not programmed. Everything else in the world is programmed. Animals are programmed. Angels are programmed. They're really basically programmed. They really have no choice. We are the only creatures in the universe that we're not programmed. We have personal choice. It's deeply personal. That's the consciousness within us. That's the divine spark within us. And that touches Hashem Himself very powerfully. Hashem is very moved by us. By every choice that we make, He's very moved. He begs, He pleads, do me a favor, do the mitzvah. He can't. The whole universe depends on you. If I am king or not depends on you, it's all up to you. My destiny is in your hands. That's what Hashem says. Talking about gambling, <laughs> the ultimate gambler. He puts his destiny in our hands. Can you imagine? You think, you think going to Atlantic City is gambling? This is, Hashem is putting his destiny in our hands. He says, you, you, can, you can destroy, you can hurt, you can cause me pain, or you can cause me to smile, to laugh, to, to cry from joy. From... It's all in your hands. I, it's, I, yeah, my destiny is in your hands. You're in control. The whole universe is in your hands. If we live with that awesome sense of privilege and responsibility, every one of us, we will bring Mashiach tonight, this moment. Because if every one of us did one more mitzvah, pushed ourselves a little, pushed the envelope a drop, took a baby step forward, everyone on their own level, and we, and we really sincerely and seriously, wholeheartedly started serving Hashem and did something to serve Hashem, everyone in their own way, could be a tiny thing. It's not the quantity, it's the quality. But it's genuine. That's the only thing Hashem wants. It has to be genuine. <laughs> it's the only thing that, he, that moves him. He's not impressed with slogans or, or uh, superficial, but a choice, a genuine choice from the consciousness, from the heart. Truth, Truth emes. And, and, that, and that could shake the whole universe to its very core, its very essence. That's the power each and every one of us has in their own hands. So that there's anything other than God himself. Shama is just... 
naturally aware of that. That's, that's, that's the Jewish faith. Jewish faith boils down to what, what differentiates Jewish faith? Jewish faith boils down to the awareness, not just intellectual awareness, no, but the awareness in our kishkas, every fiber of our being, every bone in our body, the awareness that there is no other reality but God. That's faith. That's Jewish faith. There's nothing else exists. There is no other reality, period. And that's what a Jew knows. And that's what makes us Jewish. See, religion is behavioral, attitudes, acquired. <clears throat> but every Jew has a Jewish neshama. It's our being. It's our essence. It's not just something that we do. We're doing Jewish. We're acting Jewish. We're thinking Jewish. We're speaking Jewish. Our very being is Jewish. That's what the anti-Semite sees. No one will call an atheist a Christian a Christian. It's an oxymoron. Because his being is not Jew, is not Christian. If he believes, if he doesn't believe, if someone who's, who's mystical and suddenly stops meditating is no longer mystical, no one's going to accuse him of being a Buddhist. Or... But a Jew, even a self-hating Jew, a radical left-winger, a self-hating Jew, a... a Jew is a Jew is a Jew. Because it's not something that you do. It's your being. Your very being is Jewish. Your very core and essence. We may not see it. We're the only ones who don't see it. We have a blinder, but everyone else sees it. It's so clear to them because they're objective. They see a Jew. They see a neshama. They see that you have that faith. It's your being. It's your core. It's not something you have to do. You don't have to do anything. It's there. 100%. Every Jew has it equally. Every Jew has that neshama. You're born to a Jewish mother. You have it 100%. The simplest Jew, the greatest Jew, the worst Jew, the best Jew. Every Jew has it equally. And the non-Jew sees it. And that's why they point out the Jew. They always find the Jew within the Jew. We can't hide. We can't run into there because it's not... If you acquired it, religion that you acquire, you can, you can disacquire. <laughs> but this is your course, your essence, you inherited it. We're believers, we're children of believers. That's there, it's there. We breathe it. We live it. And you know, you even see it in the rebellion. Why is it that Jews are always the rebels? Jews revolutionize, are constantly making revolutions. You see it even, even in the revolution, in the rebellion, you see the Jew within the Jew. They don't realize it, but you see the Jew then. Because the Jew thinks out of the box. So when the Jew is normal, and when a Jew follows the... A Jew is never normal. But when a Jew follows the way of Hashem, then it's an, a divine abnormality. Then you end up with Moses, with the Lubavitcher Rebbe. You're making revolutions, godly revolutions that are transforming the face of the world. Positive revolutions, wholesome revolutions that are bringing peace and goodness into the world. But when a Jew, unfortunately is disconnected from his faith. He takes that faith and he channels it into a very negative thing. We came up with communism, which almost destroyed the world. Even in the distortion, you see the Jew here. You see that a Jew is abnormal, absolutely abnormal. <laughs> so when a Jew is connected to Hashem, then Hashem knows how to channel this abnormality, this divine spark, in a wholesome way. Hashem says, you'll dance on Simchas Torah, you'll cry on Tishabah, You'll, come, you'll put on tefillin, you'll keep kosher, you'll keep Shabbos, will channel this powerful energy in a wholesome way, in a divine way, in a beautiful way. But when a Jew disconnects himself from Torah, the energy is there, that soul is there, that nuclear energy is there. But instead of illuminating the world, he creates a nuclear explosion that wreaks havoc and destruction in the entire world. So the energy is there, there's no running away from it.
We don't think like anyone. We don't act like anyone. We're different. And the world will continuously remind us. The pressure on Israel, anti-Semitism is just a hidden reminder. A not-so-hidden reminder. That Jew, you're different. And get your act together. Stop pretending to be like us because you're never like us. You never were like us. You never will be like us. You're the conscience. You're the prophets. You're the priests. You're the leaders. You're the teachers. And start acting like one. And start acting like a Jew. Live a divine life. Get your act together. And help us schlep all of us out of this darkness and this, that we face today. This menace we face today. The only ones who can win this war against terrorism that's facing us all and the threat of, of, of nuclear, nuclear threat is only the Jew. The Jew led the war in, in, in Tebi and the Jew led the war in 81 and we were very successful. But the Jew asserted his Jewishness and he asserted his place and asserted his leadership and acted bravely and courageously and acted like, as a true leader. That took spirit, that took courage, that took Jewish soul, Jewish nerve, Jewish chutzpah, but positive. And until the Jew will get his act together, the world will not stop reminding us that you're supposed to be the leader and you're... So the soul is there. Every Jew has that soul. Every Jew has that neshama. To be continued... Lessons in Tanya, taught by Rabbi Ben Zion Krasniansky. For more Tanya study, please visit our website at www.lessonsintanya.com. <laughs>